Today is Monday, January 29th, 2024. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Multiple U.S. soldiers killed near Syria in a shocking attack. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Email us if you'd like to get in touch. You can reach us at quickstartpodcast.cbn.org. That's our email. Joining me now to get through the news of the cray, Billy Hallowell on this Monday morning, bright and early. What's up, Billy? How are you? Well, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm back in the freezing cold of New York <laughs> and uh, missing the 80 degrees of Florida. So. Yeah, back from assignment. We're glad to have you back and uh, in in the saddle here on the Quick Start Podcast. And as always, a lot to get to, so we'll dive right in. You're going to be looking at this pastor in Nepal who's facing jail time for pretty much a shocking reason. Yeah, I mean, basically sharing his faith. Uh, so we'll get into what's going on with his case and what is actually happening with religious liberty there in Nepal. Yeah, crazy. And um, we'll also preview, we've got the uh, International Religious Freedom Conference happening this week. We'll be covering that uh, as well with uh, CBN's George Thomas. And for the second year in a row, the Heritage Foundation's Index of U.S. Military Strength is finding some uh, dismaying and perhaps, if not unsurprising results, especially when you consider the news this weekend, Madison Seals is going to be looking uh, more at that on today's main thing. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our CBN News podcast, DB, DC Debrief with John Stolness and Newsmakers from Billy. And we're looking at one long interview each and every weekday on the Newsmakers podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to both of those to get all your CBN News podcasts. We're gonna head now to the news in 90 seconds. A Super Bowl matchup is all set as Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Stout defense shut down Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens 17-10 to punch their ticket. Meanwhile, the Detroit Lions got out to an early start, had a dominating 24-7 lead at halftime, but it wasn't enough to stop the San Francisco 49ers from rallying to a 34 31 win in a game that was a tale of two halves. They'll play for the Super Bowl in Las Vegas in two weeks. And three U.S. service members were killed and at least 25 others were injured in an unmanned drone attack on an outpost in northeast Jordan near the Syrian border. U.S. Central Command confirmed this yesterday. The death toll is expected to rise. Most of the victims were army soldiers based in northern Jordan near the Syrian border at a base known as Tower 22. They're providing support against ISIS terrorists in the region. President Biden said we shall respond. President Trump, former President Trump responded to the attack in a statement saying that the current wars would never have happened if he were in Oval Office. He said we would right now have peace throughout the world. Instead, we're on the brink of World War III. Iranian proxies have launched over 100 attacks on U.S. troops since October. And NBC's Saturday Night Live put major foot in mouth when they were trying to mock President Trump for using the word debanking. They mocked him for saying it was a made-up term, but in reality, it's actually a real word and a real term that's often used. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. I found that one, if not uh, expected from the mainstream media these days, Billy, uh, Saturday Night Live, they've kind of become just a political sort of hit piece these days, a one-sided one at that, um, trying to make fun of President Trump for this made-up word, but debanking actually 
is a thing. It's it's when a bank takes, you know, removes somebody from their client list for whatever reason. It's called debanking. And um, they missed that one. But <laughs> but I mean, we got this election going on, Billy. And in, in light of this attack, this is uh, we're starting to see now this sort of more of the head to head vibe. You know, we've been focused on the primary here. But when now things are happening in the world and we're looking at, OK, how's how's Biden responding? How's Trump responding? Yeah, well, I think I think the big thing here, obviously, is that you're going to see Trump, you know, seizing on a lot of the things that are happening. The problem is there's so many things to seize on. Right. Yeah. You've got Ukraine and he even listed these things, Trump, in his response. You know, all of the things going on around the world. He, I think he even said, you know, the brink of World War Three. Mm -hmm. Right. That this is where we are. And we wouldn't be here if I were president. I think whether that's true or not, that's going to be what starts to resonate with people because the world is in an incredibly chaotic place from Israel to Ukraine and Russia down the line. Line and now you've got U.S. service members being killed. You know, it's just it's not it's not a great scenario for for the sitting president when these sorts of things are going on. Yeah, it, it really isn't. And and look, there is a body of work to look at when um, Trump was in office. You didn't have Russia going into Ukraine. You didn't have Iran being this um, brazen in their attacks against Israel and against U.S. Um, forces around the world. You didn't have China with this level of threat on Taiwan. And it's just on and on and on. And it, it's hard to, you know, it, it's it's a strong case for President Trump to be able to make at this point. And we'll see what President Biden does and what his response is. He did say we shall respond. And so we shall see what happens there uh, on the ground. But certainly praying for all those who've lost loved ones and for our military as they deal with uh, that situation, obviously very, very tragic. We're going to head over to the main, uh, to, not to the main thing just yet, but to the focus story now. As I mentioned, a pastor in Nepal is facing jail time for a pretty shocking reason. Billy, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, this preacher, he's facing jail time for essentially praying. And this is after his country's Supreme Court rejected his appeal. This has been a legal battle that's been going on for a couple of years now. Uh, Pastor Keshab Raj Ashaya was sentenced to one year in prison over his religious activity. And now um, he has to face that sentence unless the Supreme Court of Nepal accepts another sort of appeal that he's put out there. He's trying to have this jail time penalty converted into a fine instead of prison time. It's insane, though, that you know, he'd be penalized at all. Um, his issues actually started, and they're being seen widely as sort of a step backward for religious liberty in Nepal. Um, but they started a couple of years ago when he essentially, when a man reached out to him and asked for prayer for his wife and invited the preacher to his house to perform the invocation. And he was apparently arrested after um, he went and did that after he went and prayed for this man's wife who was sick. Uh, he was then released and then rearrested on charges of outraging religious feelings and proselytizing for distributing religious leaflets. So basically sharing his faith has been at the center of this. There was apparently a video that was allegedly uploaded to YouTube showing the pastor saying that COVID-19 could be healed through prayer, um, although he apparently denied ever uploading that clip. So there, it was basically all just, hey, he was sharing his faith, and this is not okay. Unbelievable. Unbelievable stuff. And uh, unthinkable, but honestly, the way we're seeing things going now, you feel like, oh, maybe we're on that trend as well over here. But um, what's he hoping to see happen with this case now that it's actually he's being charged with this 
Yeah, I mean, so so he's been fighting this battle uh, for a while now. Initially, he was given two years in prison, apparently, um, and so he, and he was given a fine in addition to that, um, and then a, a subsequent court reduced that. And um, one other thing about this. He, you know, he was convicted based apparently on just one person's claims. Like there was no, nobody else came forward to corroborate those claims. Oh it was just goodness. based on this one person. Uh, so he was freed on bail and he was hoping to see the Supreme Court take the case up. What happened was the Supreme Court of Nepal apparently said, no, we're not going to take the case up. And that upheld his previous conviction. He's hoping, again, to see that prison sentence. It seems like the best case scenario is it just gets converted into a fine. So it's not like he's getting off because he won't get off of the, on the charges, but he could at least maybe not go to jail. He's already spent, I think, three months in jail before um, being released. So he's already spent some time in prison. His hope is to avoid further prison. Wow. Unbelievable. What's the... Uh What's the overall sort of religious freedom situation in Nepal? I mean, you'd imagine it's it's not good given uh, something like this could happen. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. This is not a country I I knew much about, so it was interesting digging into it. But um, apparently in 2007, the constitution of Nepal was changed to basically make it a secular state. So there were centuries huh. of Hindu monarchy up until 2007. And when they changed the constitution to become secular, it brought some protections for religious minorities, but apparently ignited some new struggles because Hinduism is still favored. Um, and basically the, this national penal code it criminalizes proselytization, blasphemy, cow slaughter, all these different issues. Um, and all of these things impact Buddhists, Christians, and Muslims who live there, right? Because if Hinduism is favored, all those other faiths run into these struggles. So even though they're technically a secular state, um, it's still illegal to convert someone from one faith to another. And, you know, we often cover the Open door, Doors World Watch list here. Um, up until 2022, Nepal was ranked number 48 on that list. So it was in the top 50 for the worst places to live for Christians. And Nepal has since dropped out of the top 50, which is a good sign. But when you look at why Open Doors said it's not because things got better in Nepal, things got worse mm everywhere else um so so the country just kind of got bumped off the right. off the list sadly right. so, so there every, everyone get everything getting worse everywhere and so yeah no, not some great improvement there that's uh unfortunate so why what do you think billy when you're looking at this you know it's in nepal it's happening what what is the troubling aspect here on a, on a broader scale well, I think what we just talked about there, the fact that things are getting worse everywhere, right? Persecution, yeah. every every expert you talk to says Christian persecution around the world is is just horrific. And the fact that it's devolving, we need to be covering all of these stories. A, we're supposed to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we see people going through this, we need to call it out. Um, but I think it also points us back to, you know, we're in an election year and religious liberty and, and free speech is incredibly important. And so as we assess candidates, realizing these things are in danger. And what does that mean for the choices we have to make here? And everyone's going to make different choices, I think, but we've got to weigh this in that balance for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and again, we have to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the globe, not just here in America, not just in our neck of the woods. Should be doing that also, but it's, it's, a, it's good to know what other Christians are going through around uh, different parts of the globe. And and that's another reason why we're covering, like I said, with George Thomas, this International Religious Freedom Summit that's happening. You have a lot of people talking about 
these sorts of things that are happening around the globe, and we're going to look at places like Nepal, places like China, places like Nigeria, which you've been covering, Billy, where we're seeing just shocking attacks and levels of persecution rise against Christians around the globe. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a lot for us to be praying for absolutely on this front, and we should be doing that daily at this point because it's troubling. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, Billy, appreciate you bringing... Uh, that one to the podcast today. That's going to leave us uh, uh, over to the main thing right now. And for the second year in a row, the Heritage Foundation's U.S. Of in, uh, index of U.S. military strength is finding that the U.S. military uh, is rated weak and at significant risk of not meeting the demands of a major regional conflict. Dakota Wood contributed to the index and joins Madison Seals to talk about what this means for our country and how the American public can help. That's today's main thing. There's no doubt that America has taken an interest in wars going on in other countries like Gaza and Ukraine. So it may give Americans the false impression that we must have our defenses sorted here in the U.S. if we're helping other countries face their own wars. But as we'll talk about today, that is not the case. Dakota, how did this year's military strength index results compare to last year's? It indicated we're still on a downward slide, and this will come as a shock to so many Americans because our military is able to do whatever we want it to do when we send it out. But masked or hidden from America is that we're operating against enemies that have very little capability. So if we think about like an Iran or a China or a Russia, uh, we have assessed that our military would have a really hard time uh, dealing with that larger war because it's too small. It has shrunk by 50% over the last 30 years. Its equipment is very old, purchased in the 1980s for the most part, and it isn't able to train as much as it really should to be competent in these battle skills. So, so we've, we've noticed a continued slide downward from last year to this one, and certainly over the 10 years that we've been reporting on this through the index. Yeah, and before we get more into the findings, can you tell me a little bit more about the rating system and the scale? We tried to keep it very simple, you know, very weak to very strong, so very weak, weak, marginal, strong, and very strong, because we don't want to convey the sense that you can differentiate, you know, 72 from 74 on a 100-point scale. So we look at big, chunky measures where a shift from strong to marginal is really meaningful, and it has to do with rapid aging of equipment or a dramatic reduction let's say, in the number of flight hours that an Air Force pilot is flying uh, each month or each year. So it, they're really chunky measures to convey significant changes to an American public that's interested but might not be expert in military stuff. Right, yeah. And when we look at this index, we see right off the bat that most of the categories or most of the branches, as you mentioned, are weak to very weak. Um, there's a couple that are marginal. So what do you think is the cause of so many of these branches coming out as weak year after year? Well, we, we, we based all of this on historical studies. So if, if the U.S. goes to war like it did in Korea and Vietnam and Desert Storm against Iraq back in 1991, how much military power was really used, not theoretically or in some concept, 
but, but in real-world application. And so that's why we base our measures of how big the military services should be, not on academic understanding, but on real understanding. So then we look at the size of the Navy, the size of the Air Force and the Army, for example, and we say, well, how much do they have? And compared to these historical standards, they're very, very under strength. And then when you look at the Abrams main battle tank in the Army, it was introduced 30 years ago. Most of the aircraft that the Air Force flies are older than the pilots flying them. I mean, average ages of 30 and 40 years for the airplanes. And the Navy has half the number of ships that it used uh, during the Cold War against the Soviet Union. So that's where we get our measurements from. It's not from theory or some kind of grand idea that new technology might be able to make possible, but the actual condition of today's military services. And the Marine Corps was the only branch that was rated as strong in this index. So what is the Marine Corps doing differently, or is it just all about the the craft that they're using being more up to date? It's a little bit of both. It, it's still too small. I, I scored that one, and I think the, the Marines need to be larger as a service, but everybody is being challenged with recruiting problems. But where the Marine Corps stands apart is it's extremely focused on, at, on adapting to the changes in technology and the operating environment. You know, where would you go to war and how do you organize your force for battle given the nature of expected enemies and, and the types of equipment that would be used? So they've com- almost completely modernized their aviation capabilities. Uh, they've gotten rid of equipment that's not so relevant to maritime or sea-based operations, and they've introduced a whole range of new equipment like drones and anti-ship missiles and anti-aircraft missiles. And they're just really seem to be focused and aggressive and making changes very quickly. And we just don't see that same kind of progress being made in the other services. Something really important that this index also takes into account is America's key adversaries, China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea, and their own military capabilities. So how do U.S. adversaries compare in terms of military preparedness in general? Well, I, you know, I just talked about how serious the Marine Corps is, and we're seeing that same level of seriousness by those countries that you mentioned. So China, over the last decade, has had a double-digit increases in its defense spending. It is quadrupling the number of nuclear weapons it has. It's making uh, latest-generation military aircraft, its own designs for aircraft carriers, and nuclear-powered ballistic missile submarines. So they are very serious uh, about fielding an ultra-modern military that is based on its study of how America conducts war. Russia stumbled uh, in its invasion of Ukraine and suffered a lot of losses, but those that have survived are now battle-hardened, and they're actually making more missiles and tanks today than they were before the war. And Iran is probably within a month of fielding uh, nuclear weapon capabilities if they decide to crank up their enrichment uh, accordingly, which would be an easy thing to do. They have the most modern and, and widespread missile capabilities in the entire Middle East. And again, if you've seen what they've done in the Middle East, very serious about using military power to advance their agenda. So a lot of seriousness and major investments and advances in our adversaries and not the same sort of seriousness in the United States establishment. 
Thank you, Dakota, for your work on this index and making this information transparent to the American public. Really appreciate you having me on, and, and thanks so much. All right, Madison, thanks for that information there. I just want to add in there um, that this isn't, and uh, they talked about this in the extended interview, um, that this is not necessarily a reflection on well, it isn't a, re a reflection on the troops who serve. A lot of this is to do with bureaucratic dealing with, you know, funding that they get and priorities that are that are placed. Uh, and so there's a whole lot of layers as to why that happens. But this isn't just like a slam on those who are serving. Right. This is it's it's a lot uh, more complicated than that and how and how all that gets done. And it's more just to raise awareness like, hey, we need to focus on this so we don't put our troops in a in a tough position or at a disadvantage when it comes to all these conflicts that are happening around the globe. And as we mentioned, they're certainly happening. We just had these U.S. service members killed, so we want to make sure that they're getting the best, uh, especially compared to what the rest of the world is doing. So appreciate Madison bringing that one to the podcast today. That's going to leave us with time for one last thing. We're going to take a look at Romans twelve eighteen. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And that one's, uh, I think a tough one for us as people, Billy, we have conflict with those around us, right? It's just inevitable. We're going to have conflict. So um, that's just one, by the way, in like a list in that context, in that chunk in Romans talking about the marks of a, of a true Christian. So there's a lot of things in there, but wanted to zero in on that one today. Yeah. You know, and just thinking about our behavior consistently and asking God to help us in those areas where we're weak. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Good spot to leave it on this Monday episode of the Quick Start Podcast. As always, make sure get yourself over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com. Make sure you're on the CBN News YouTube channel as well. We're going to be going live with George Thomas, as I said, later today to cover the International Religious Freedom Summit. All right, Lord willing, in that creek don't rise on us. We shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. We'll see you then.